I'm Jared Hanselman with South Texas Large Animal Mobile Vet Service in Victoria, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the wheat market is experiencing a lot of volatility thanks to the uncertainty in the Black Sea region. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Cotton is facing challenges in the Texas High Plains again this season. I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll hear about one farmer's decision to keep moving forward with his crop. The U.S. Department of Agriculture plans to re-examine how the agency substantiates animal raising claims that companies use to market their meat and poultry products. I'm Tom Nicolotti and I'll have more details straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. Heat finally got here to Texas and plants are beginning to show response to it. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about how plants respond to Texas heat. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We have seen the wheat market move up a dollar, then down a dollar over the past couple of weeks with instability in the Russia-Ukraine war and the attempted Russian coup last week adding a lot of uncertainty to the market. Texas A&M grain marketing specialist Mark Welch. Certainly some some major supply concerns uh, looking at the southern plains of the U.S. and then uh, also just the accessibility of world wheat supplies with continued turmoil in the Black Sea. Uh, and so I think that's just giving us a, a, that, that undertone of, of, of uncertainty around, around the wheat market. And, and the market has certainly reacted to that over the last uh, several days. Welch says wheat supplies are expected to remain tight both domestically and around the world. The annual Southwest Dairy Day will be held this year in the Texas Panhandle. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has set a date for this year's Southwest Dairy Day. The annual field day will be held October 18th in and around the Bovina area. This year, the field day will highlight cutting-edge technologies in the dairy industry, including an anaerobic digester and rotary parlor with automation as well as pre- and post-dipping. Event organizers say the field day is an opportunity for those involved in the dairy industry to learn more about the opportunities and challenges involved with the new technologies. The Southwest Dairy Day will be held from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. October 18th. Additional details are available at today.agrilife.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
The 4th of July next week is a great opportunity to enjoy the sweet Texas crop of watermelons. Jesse Wiggins is a watermelon grower in Willisee County in the Rio Grande Valley. He says the growing season has been a wet one this year. Our growing season looks a little wet here to begin with, as well as wet up north where we're going next with all the rain that we're getting. But I think it'll pretty much level out and get some sunshine, grow some good sweet watermelons and get them to the store pretty soon. You can find Wiggins Farms watermelons at stores all over Texas and way beyond. We ship watermelons all over the state of Texas, as well as grow them all over the state of Texas. We ship up toward Canada, as well as Boston, Maine, Chicago. We ship all over the country. Uh, some of our retailers are HEB, Sprouts, United, uh, H Mart, Brookshire Brothers, Brookshire Grocery Company, Rouse's. Those are just a few to list right here close. The Wiggins family has been growing watermelons in Texas for the past five generations. Cotton is facing challenges in the Texas High Plains this year. James Hunt talked with one cotton producer who's moving forward with his crop. Barry Evans is a farmer in Cress, which is in the southern Texas panhandle. When we talked with him about three weeks ago, Evans was facing a dilemma. What to do about a newly planted cotton crop that had taken hits from heavy rain, abnormally cool temperatures, and a little hail? It was a difficult decision, but ultimately Evans has chosen to let his cotton keep going. Nothing's really growing as well as I'd like to see it, but it's starting to. I think we're turning the corner on some. Uh, some's just going to be really thin, and I think the potential is not great, but I still felt it was my best decision to keep it. So I'm going to have some all over the board. Going forward, Evans Cotton will be relying a lot on the weather, with additional rain and more heat units needed to help the crop along. However, other than the herbicides he's been applying to battle weeds, Evans does not plan to put a lot more inputs into this season's cotton. I'm certainly not going to push yields. Uh, I don't think the yield potential is there even on my irrigated, so we aren't going to really push it real hard. Um, try to keep it going and try to match what we have. You know, also with the price, um, where it's at, something doesn't encourage you to push a yield, so... We're going to let it make what it'll make. Meanwhile, Evans also has a sorghum crop growing this season and tells us it's off to a nice start. Now, on another note, and it's a big one, a Florida-based company known as Plant Agricultural Systems has selected sites in Amarillo and Lubbock to build facilities where produce such as leafy greens and tomatoes will be grown hydroponically. Looking at the timeline, it could be about three years before the company begins operations. More about plant agricultural systems in our next report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. USDA is examining animal raising claims used on labels. Tom Nicoletti has more. The U.S. Department of Agriculture plans to re-examine how the agency substantiates animal raising claims that companies use to market their meat and poultry products. U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack said in a statement, quote, Consumers should be able to trust that the label claims they see on products bearing the USDA mark of inspection are truthful and accurate. He goes on to say, quote, USDA is taking action to ensure the integrity of animal raising claims and level the playing field for producers who are truthfully using these claims, which we know consumers value and rely on to guide their meat and poultry purchasing decisions, Vilsack concluded. Animal raising claims, such as grass-fed and free-range, are voluntary marketing claims 
that highlights certain aspects of how the source animals for meat and poultry products are raised. These claims must be approved by USDA's Food Safety and Inspection Service before they can be included on the labels of meat and poultry products sold to consumers. The agency plans to revise the industry guidelines, which were last updated in 2019. FSIS also plans to partner with USDA's Agricultural Research Service to conduct a sampling project to assess antibiotic residues in cattle destined for the raised without antibiotics market. The Food Safety and Inspection Service will also be issuing revised industry guidelines to recommend that companies strengthen the documentation they submit to the agency to substantiate animal raising claims. The agency plans to strongly encourage use of third-party certification to verify these claims. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The triple-digit heat is having an effect on gardens and landscapes. Horticulturalist John Begno has an update from San Angelo. Took a little while for us to get here, but we're there. We're in the doldrum of summer where it's excessively hot over most of the state. There are a few areas that may not be so hot. Now, we all know about plants and how we categorize them for hardiness to cold weather. Have the USDA zone map. Well, there's also a heat map that shows how certain areas are more prone to excessive heat and which kinds of plants will survive. And the way plants survive heat is a little bit different than, of course, we do. We perspire and they transpire. And things that affect transpiration are temperature, humidity, the wind speed, believe it or not, and soil water. And of all of those, we, you and me, can only have control over soil water unless we're in a greenhouse or an enclosed environment. So soil water becomes practically the only way we can help these plants get established, grow, and survive in excessive heat like this. No doubt we're going to lose some plants. We may have just transplanted some plants, and it's going to be so hot that they're going to lose water faster than their new roots can take them up. And there's not anything we can do except help them out by making sure that soil around the newly planted plants are cool and damp as they can be. And mulch is number one. That's perennials. That's your woody shrubs. That's even newly planted trees. Two to four inches of a real good mulch will keep that soil cool. And then, of course, you're going to adjust your water based on the temperature, humidity, and wind speed, which means if your automatic system is set for once a week, you may be doing it twice a week. Or if you're hand watering, you may be doing every other day on your container plants and so forth. But those are very, very important things that we do. One little thing that you can do on young trees that have just been transplanted is to protect that bark from that sun scald. Because you have excessive heat, temperature on the barks of those trees could be 120 and 130 degrees. So anything that would wrap and keep it cool and reflective is very helpful. This is John Begno reporting from San Angelo. The statewide quail symposium is back. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And multi-species grazing can provide benefits for a ranch. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Why do you listen? I just want to stay informed while I'm on the go. News on the radio, it's nice because it's just a quick snippet and I don't have to go searching for it or grab a paper. I listen to radio because anywhere that I'm going, I'm listening to music or I'm listening to a talk show or I'm just trying to stay up on current events. I always turn into the radio to see if I need to take shelter or where it's hitting to see what I need to be preparing for. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Multi-species grazing can provide benefits for a ranch. Dr. Bob Judd tells why. Sheep, goats, and cattle are the perfect complementary species to graze together because they are not always competing for the same forage. Grazing a combination of these species helps you get more out of your pasture land as goats are browsers favoring tree leaves over high-quality tender grass that cattle and sheep prefer. Goats also do well in periods of drought as they need very little quality vegetation, so you can get some income even during a drought. Sheep can graze closer to the ground so they can eat vegetation that cattle cannot consume, but you have to watch and make sure you do not let sheep overgraze the pasture. Sheep and goats can also keep brush and invasive plants under control, allowing more grass for the cattle. One significant difference between the species is that sheep are very sensitive to copper toxicity, so you cannot supplement at the same level as cattle and goats. Dr. Elliott recommends supplementing all of the animals at the recommended level for sheep, and then giving cattle and goats extra copper by giving them an oral bolus once or twice a year or graze each species in a different pasture with different minerals. A cow can only raise one calf per year, while you could add four to five ewes and their babies on the same amount of acreage. Dr. Elliott indicates there will be some added expenses to raising multiple species, especially fencing if the pasture is only fenced for cattle. Also make sure veterinary care is available for all these species, and you likely will have to invest in some added facilities to handle these different species. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The statewide quail symposium is back. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. After a four-year hiatus due to the coronavirus pandemic, the statewide quail symposium is back. This year's event will be August 16th through the 18th near Roby and in Abilene. Dr. Dale Rollins, Outreach Director for the Rolling Plains Quail Research Foundation, joins us with more. We've got a program that should be appealing to anybody interested in quail hunting and quail management. We've really done a good job of soliciting speakers, not only from Texas, but from throughout the country. Uh, researchers from Tall Timbers Research Station, our various universities that are conducting quail research in Texas, and landowners and land managers that are very skillful at the art and science of quail management. So I think there's something there for everyone. The symposium is hosted by the Foundation, Texas Parks and Wildlife, and the Texas Wildlife Association. We'll start the symposium with a tour of the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch in North Sweetwater. And that gives participants a great opportunity not only to learn more about the facility and its goals towards preserving our, our heritage of wild quail hunting, but it also gives them the opportunity to see the landscape. If you were to say, I want to draw up a landscape that's good for bobwhite quail, you want to see the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch. The second and third days of the symposium will be in the Abilene Convention Center. 
Registration is $75 until July 31st and $100 thereafter. Student registration is $50 before July 31st and $75 after. A link to register is available on the Rolling Plains Quail Research Foundation's Facebook page. There, click on the event for the statewide quail symposium and there's a registration link where it says tickets. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check those markets. We'll look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I typically listen here at work, from my desk, on my way to work, in the morning. When we wake up, it goes on the radio. I can hear a song and be instantly transported back to a time in my life that I enjoy remembering. I think that's what I like listening to radio for, is just to stay informed on whether it's news, sports, new music, anything. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market continuing its uptrend this week as corn prices fall. Live cattle, feeder cattle, both ending in positive territory once again on Thursday. June live cattle up 12, 179.75. The August up 62, 174.50. With October live cattle up 65, 177.67. Nice jump on the feeder cattle market Thursday. August feeders up 212, 242.37. September feeder cattle up 207, 245.80. The October contract up $1.85 at $247.82. Cash fed cattle market mostly quiet still this week. Now in Kansas, earlier in the week we did see some sales at $178. That's two bucks lower. However, most of the cattle still waiting on the show list. Packers bidding $179 down here in the south. Up north, they're bidding $182 live. Boxed beef prices higher on Thursday choice up 92 cents 328.82 select up $1.71 at 29839. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My guest Benny Cox. They sold sheep and goats on Tuesday in San Angelo. How did it go, Benny? We ended up with 6249, which you know that's kind of average for this time of the year, which uh, I'm thankful for that because it was, like I say, it was pretty tough in spots. Slaughter nannies, they sell from a dollar to a dollar sixty-seven, but mostly one twenty-one to one fifty-six. And your slaughter bellies, two dollars to two thirty-six. Uh, the wool feeder lambs, the spread on those was from one eighty-four to two fifteen. Uh, the lighter end of these slaughter hair sheep type from one eighty to two twenty-three. We did have some new lambs that break over that. You know, that were in those same weight ranges. You know, up to three forty or so. Um, we had uh, the heavier weight. Lambs 160 up to 222. You know, a good many of those really good, classy, uh, flaky, uh, lambs that were both big lambs. Why some of them brought it in 15? It was a surprise to me. I thought it was going to Uh, slaughter you 55 to 91, but the bulk of them from 15 to 54. Kid go 180 to 280. 
four. I did have some of those straight patties that were really small. Some of those wouldn't bring but about a dollar fifty to a dollar seventy. Uh, that they would have not been very desirable. But most of your kid goes fell in the two eighteen to two twenty six range. We had a few of those large buttons, not many, but we had a few of those that just had three seventy five again this week. Now, Benny, y'all are going to be closed the fourth of July week, correct? We will be closed all next week, so everybody needs to kind of spread that around the coffee shop. All right, people can always do a few can always show up. We will be here if they work out and they have to bring something in. We'll have somebody here to feed them, you know, until the following week. But right, right. Feed bill okay. up. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk to Jody on Thursday night to post the cattle sale report. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Yeah, they can call me on the mobile. It's 325-234-4277. Office, same area code, 653-3371, or they can always look at the web. With producers and cargyle.com. Have a good fourth. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Neighbor, my wife and I plan to have a good fourth also, but never fear. I'll be posting Walking the Pins each day, Monday through Friday, right here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thanks for listening to us right now on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now. Raleen Hogs finished higher on Thursday. July Hogs up a dollar seventeen ninety five forty five. August Hogs up a dollar twenty two at ninety two thirty two. Class three milk was lower. June milk down a penny fourteen ninety one a hundred weight. With the July contract down twenty eight cents at fourteen oh seven a hundred. The cotton market climbed higher following USDA's weekly export sales report. It showed net sales of 125,600 running bales. That is up quite a bit from the previous week, but down from the four-week average. October cotton up 113 points, closing at 79.21. December cotton up 167 at 79.03. Corn market continues to drift lower as rains start spreading across the corn belt. And the forecast is looking a lot better for more rain in the Midwest. So that continues to pressure the corn market. July corn dropped nine cents, five eighty-one a bushel. September down seven and three quarters, five twenty-three and a half, with December corn down eight and a quarter. 528 and a half. Wheat seems to just be following the corn market for the last several trading sessions. July Kansas City wheat dropped six and a half, 794 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat down two and three quarters at 653 a bushel. In the energy markets, August natural gas up two cents, 269. August West Texas crude up 33 at 6989 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Thursday afternoon. The Dow up 212 points, 34,065. The Nasdaq down 27 at 13,564. The S&P up 10, 4,387. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.